Well, it's great to be back at Buckingham Baptist Church. What a great crowd tonight. Praise the Lord. I feel like I'm home when I'm here. Amen? Amen. So this is my home away from... Sorry, Simone can't be here tonight. Of course, you know about her mother's situation, but she'll be with you all on Sunday. Matter of fact, Saturday, I'll drive back to the other coast and pick her up and bring her. Well, I have a, uh, 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 several things that I need to accomplish tonight, and I'm going to try to do it as briefly as I possibly can. And of course, this is Missions Conference tonight. And we're kicking it off, and Dr. Clark will be preaching tomorrow night. Uh, Brother Lawrence Evans, who has a gypsy ministry in Fort Lauderdale, will be here on Friday. And then, of course, I'll be preaching Sunday school and Sunday morning. Is that right, Pastor? Okay, good. But, uh, uh, and we'll join you for the meal tomorrow night. Dr. Clark and I will join you for the meal. But um, I'm so impressed with these young people. You all have done such a great job. You know what it shows me? There's hope for America. Really. Now, you can talk about how bad things are, but when you're sitting in this environment with these young people, from the very smallest to the, the oldest, they did such a great job, and it's evident that they love the Lord, and I, I really appreciate that. And because of that, I want to share something. you mind if I just share something just with them? Can you adults just clock out a little bit? But it might help you, though. <laughs> All right. It might help you. I, I want to give you young people a verse. Do you have your Bibles with you? I want to give you this verse. Uh, I know things don't look too hopeful in America these days, but as long as there's a Christ who sits on the throne, there's hope. And uh, matter of fact, the Bible calls him the blessed hope. And I want to give you a verse, and I want this verse to be your verse. I'm not telling you to make it your life's verse. Maybe you can if the Lord leads you to, but it's a wonderful verse that'll help you. It comes from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I'm going to give you a minute to get there. Jer and you adults are welcome to jump in. Just, just pretend like you're younger. For some of us, it may be difficult. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. This is God speaking. You ready, young people? Say amen. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You see that phrase, those two words, expected end? When you study those two words up in the original language, it means a hopeful future. Young people, I'm here to proclaim to you because of the environment that you're in, you have a hopeful future. You're the cream of the crop. It doesn't get any better than what's in this room. And you say, preacher, you're going to tell us there's hope. Don't you see what's going on? You young people may say that. You say, come on, you, you adults messed it all up. Hello, I, I'm guilty. I'll raise me, I'm guilty. We, we messed up the government. We've messed up science and medicine for sure. Quiet in here. Can I get an amen from the adults? And uh, sad to say, Dr. Clark, we've messed up the church too. We're guilty. But it doesn't mean that you can't right the wrongs doesn't mean that you can't change it. It's just like the young man who gave his testimony, the change that he, he's seen in his life since he's been a part of Awana. Well, that change needs to go out of these four walls into the world. So remember that verse, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I, I want to give a verse to the church. Of course, uh, thanks to leadership here, Simone and I ministered here. I think, Brother Greg, since about the first of the year, it was early in January, 
And, and we had a small part, and all you guys did such a great job, it's evident of how God loves his church, and the church is not just the pastor. Hello? The church is the body of believers, the assembly, and the, yes, thank you, Brother Jim, I appreciate it. And so the body of believers, one of the things that disappointed me about the pandemic was when I was reading things on Facebook and people saying they don't have to be in, in, in a building to be in church. And I understand that. I, it, the building is not the church. It's the people. You are the assembly. But you know what? Uh, my, my car has to be put together. I can't have my transmission one place and my tires in another place and my engine another. It won't operate. So it is the church. It's called the assembly. Uh, the ecclesia, the called out assembly. And so uh, as God allowed us to work together, all of us, these last several months, and now we praise the Lord that God has brought a pastor here. Am I on, Brother Gabriel? Can you give me just a little volume? I'm straining my voice. When I start preaching, you can lower it a little bit because I get loud. Uh, but God has brought the church a long way. And um, I'm not saying, Brother Greg, that the church was detoured because there's some things that needed to be taken care of. But it was difficult in those several months to focus on the main thing. And the main thing is what we're doing this week. Evangelism, souls, reaching people with the gospel. That's the main thing. And, and you guys are at it. You're at it. You're doing it. I can see it happening. And many times when I, Simone and I were driving here on a Sunday morning and we drove by all those new homes that are being built, and I said, wow, there's a hopeful future for Buckingham. There's an expected end for Buckingham. But I, I, and I'm not going to be long tonight. I, matter of fact, I'm not even going to preach from my iPad. So that means I'm not going to be long. Hello. But I want, you to, I want you to look at a verse in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 19 and verse 13. And somewhere along the line, I'll, I'll say a prayer here before we get into a message. Luke 19, verse 3, the Lord impressed this upon my heart. By the way, thank you for the accommodations. Thank you for the hotel room. It's wonderful leadership, Pastor Andy. Dr. Clark, I'm sure, would echo the same sentiment. Thank you so much. But Luke 19, verse 13, listen to what Jesus says. And he, that's Jesus, called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds. It was, a, uh, it, was, it was finances. And said unto them, here's what he said to his servants. Now, if you'll notice, the word occupy uh, has a capital O on it. And uh, though it's a verb, I'm not sure why there's a capital O on it. Somebody who's more grammatical than I am. But watch what he said. He said, occupy till I come. This is what Jesus is saying to the church, to occupy till he comes. What does it mean? The word occupy is a business term. It mean, matter of fact, it's a financial business term. It means to busy oneself with that which is trade, to carry on business, that of a banker or a trader. What's Jesus saying to the church? Transact God's business. Trans, that's what we're doing here. That's what you do every service. That's what you do in Awana. You transact the business of God. And here at Missions Conference, that's what we're focusing on, transacting the business of God. The amazing and wonderful thing about giving to missions is that everyone can be involved. And the amount of money that you put in is absolutely irrelevant. It's just the fact that you're in. 
whether it's a nickel, a dime, a dollar, 50, 100, or 200, or 1,000, it doesn't make any difference. And here's what my prayer is, Pastor Andy, for every conference I preach or I'm involved in, I don't pray for a specific goal or a specific amount, but I pray for 100% participation of the membership of the church. I believe that will honor God. Because God loves unity. Matter of fact, he hates discord. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven, or the seventh is abomination unto him, those who sow discord amongst the brethren. And so God blesses unity. Now I know that election time is in November. I understand that. Within a couple weeks, there'll be some elections going on. But this is election time here at Buckingham. And this card, the Faith Thomas card, becomes a ballot. It becomes a ballot. And you can vote one of three ways. You can vote to be absolutely void of being involved. You can say, I'm, I'm not going to be involved at all. And here's what you're saying. I don't care. I don't care if souls die and go to hell. You're voting for people to go to hell. You can vote and say, I'm going to give the same amount that I gave in previous years. And that's nice. That's good. But here's what you're saying. You're saying, Pastor Andy, let's keep the missions program right where it's at. These are tough economic times. Have you seen the price of everything? So let's just keep it right here, Pastor Andy, and you'll vote to keep it the same, and that's okay. But if you vote to give more than you gave last year, here's what you say. You're saying, I believe that the trumpet's going to sound. The eastern skies are going to break open and Jesus is coming. Do you believe that Jesus is coming? We got several amens, but I don't think it was unanimous. <laughs> Do you all believe that Jesus is coming? You know what that means? That gives us a priority. That gives us a mandate that we need to be busy, occupied about the Lord's business and making sure that the gospel is presented to everyone. And the young children in Awana sing it best, brother. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. We have the responsibility to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. Now, we're going to get into the message. Philippians chapter 4. And I told you I'm not going to be long. Philippians chapter 4. Now let me give you some context of where we're at. Someone tell me who writes the epistle to the church at Philippi. Say it out loud. The apostle Paul writes the church, writes the epistle to the church at Philippi. Who was the church planter? Who established the church at Philippi? Who said it? Thank you. Our theologian said it. He's got a DR before his name. I preached a conference one time in, doctor, I preached a conference in Alcapoco, New Mexico one time. Uh, Mexico. And uh, Brother Green scheduled me on that. And so I saw the brochure of all the other preachers. It was Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so. And right at the bottom it said, Brother Walter Stevens. I felt like everybody else was a tuxedo and I was a pair of brown shoes. But it's, it's Paul who established the church at Philippi. So in a sense, Paul would be the father of the church at Philippi. Matter of fact, he says, I believe it's the church of Galatia, he says that he travailed in birth until Christ be formed in them. He fathered Philippi. So would you say that the apostle Paul loved the church at Philippi? It's his baby. Now, this is not my, I know you're not used to this kind of preaching from me, 
This is more teaching and learning about giving to missions, and you're going to find it. But when we come to the book of Philippians chapter 4, Paul is no longer the pastor of this church. He has moved on. And now we see him as a missionary who is supported by the church of Philippi. You'd say, preacher, that's a stretch. Well, I'm going to show it to you. Now, first, I want to show you how much he loved the church. We're going to read one verse, and then we'll pray and then go on. Uh, look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm, I'm, better, I'm a better person for what I've experienced tonight. It's to see these young, I'm talking to you, I know they're hearing me, but it's not for their ears, it's for yours. And Father, I'm so encouraged. I'm encouraged to see how the members of Buckingham are so intricately involved in making sure that young people come to Christ and are matured in the things of your word. Father, I ask that you bless these young people in a special way. I pray that Jeremiah 29, 11 will become a verse for them, that they have a hopeful future, an expected end. You have a plan for their life. And then, Father, maybe there's some in this room that their plan of life has been detoured. I meet them all the time, Lord. They're discouraged. They're unhappy. But, Father, you still say in your word that all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Bless now the reading and the preaching of your word. Bless this conference, we pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. So is it fair to say, according to verse 1, that Paul loved the church at Philippi? I mean, what was he going? My dearly beloved, my longed for, my joy and crown. And then he closes that verse with my dearly beloved. Paul loved the church at Philippi. Now, look at verse 4. And I want you to see what Paul is admonishing this church to do in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Here the apostle Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to encourage the church at Philippi to rejoice. And then he has to say it twice. Why does he have to say it twice? Sometimes we don't get it the first time. Hello? So he says rejoice. Now see, preacher, why did the church of Philippi need to be encouraged by their former pastor to rejoice? Because Philippi was a very poor church. Matter of fact, when Paul describes the church of Philippi to the Corinthians, he said they were in deep poverty. Deep poverty. Now, we, we call poverty, we see things in America and they call it poverty. It's an insult to the real thing. There is no reason why anybody goes hungry in America. Quiet in here. There are enough systems in place that nobody has to go hungry. And so when Paul talks about the church of Philippi, they're in deep poverty. In other words, they're going through dire situations financially. I don't know the total situation. I just know that Paul uses those two words, deep poverty. He didn't say poverty. He added another word, deep, before. So it must have been bad. Maybe they couldn't put food on the table. Maybe they could put clothes on their kids' back. Maybe they couldn't warm their homes. I don't know what it was, but it was deep poverty. And so the former pastor of this church is writing back to this church to tell them to rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I want you to move along with me in chapter 4. Now look at verse 10. Now, first we see the pastor in those first few verses encouraging the church. 
We already see that Paul loves the church at Philippi. He says, my dearly beloved, my long for, my joy, and my crown. Now watch what he says in verse 10. And we're going to see a little transition here. Now we see the missionary, Apostle Paul, writing to one of his supporting churches. Now, if you don't follow along with me in the scriptures, you're not going to appreciate what we're talking about tonight. Watch what Paul says. But I rejoice in the Lord. How much? Now, Paul told Philippi to rejoice, but who's rejoicing now? Paul is. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Why is Paul rejoicing? Watch now. That now, at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, where you were also careful but lacked opportunity. Paul is thanking the church of Philippi because they were taking care of him. He's one of their missionaries. That's what you do. I've been one of your missionaries now for several years. You've put gas in our car, food on our table, clothes on our back. That's what Buckingham does with many other churches that invest in the ministries of Roman, Walter, and Simone Stevens. And so I could say the same thing about Buckingham. I rejoice in the Lord great that now at the last year care of me. So Philippi is taking care of their former pastor who is now a missionary. He's going on to establish other churches and they're taking care of him. And then it says, wherein you were also careful and lacked opportunity. Now tell me, why do you think they lacked opportunity? Thank you very much. Because they were poor. They wanted to do more. But you're going to find out that the church of Philippi was very faithful to helping. Now watch what the missionary says. This is a missionary speaking. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Watch what he says here. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And here's what the missionary is saying. Sometimes it's tough. When you're a missionary on the foreign field, I remember when we went there the first time to Europe, we got there, as soon as we got there, the dollar devaluated against the euro. I lost 25% of our buying power. It was $1, $1.25 for one euro. And, and all of Europe went on the, on the economy of the euro. Is that right, Dr. Clark? Because he was in Germany for 17 years with the military church. Is that right? And so what do we do? Run home? No. You make it work. That's what Paul is saying here. Watch what he says. I both, verse 12, I, both, I know both how to be abased, how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. And then verse 13, here's what the missionary says. Here's what the Christian says. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, I'm not much of a one-on-one -on -one counselor. I like to do my counseling right from here. That way, anybody else who may be going through some similar situations, it gets taken care of from the pulpit. But watch now. There are times when, when wives would want to meet with me and say, I can't take my husband anymore. I just can't take. Sometimes husbands will come and say, I can't take my wife anymore. Sometimes children will come and say, I can't take my parents anymore. Well, I got news for you. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. There is nothing that the child of God can't do without the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word and the blessing dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not trying to put anybody down who might be having a marriage problem. I understand that. I'm counseling someone right now via long distance who's having a very serious marital problem. But you know what I tell them? You can do all things through Christ. And so watch what Paul says now. Watch. 
Now, here, here's, look what he says to the church of Philippi, verse 14. I love this. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, we're not going to get to that word communicate. We're going to get there in just a minute. But look what he said to the church of Philippi. Two words. He said, well done. What did they do well, Brother Roger? They invested in the life and ministry of their missionary, the Apostle Paul. You are here tonight on a Wednesday night. You work in Awana. You're going to be here tomorrow night and Friday, Lord willing, if God allows you to. You're going to be here Sunday morning. You're going to be in your place doing what you're supposed to do because you know what? You long to hear a divine accolade from the mouth of your Savior to your lips. One day you plan on standing before him. You hope and you pray that you'll hear him say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Be thou ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your Lord. That's why I'm a preacher. You can, you can try, Brother Greg, you can try to describe a call all you want. All I know is I owe a debt that I can't pay, and one day I want to stand before him, and I want to hear that divine attaboy. I want to hear that divine accolade when he says to me, well done. Watch now. Philippi got to hear it this side of eternity. What does it say? What does it say? Notwithstanding ye have, give me the two words, verse 14. Well done. Now this is holy writ. Whether it's the Apostle Paul or the Lord Jesus Christ himself, it's all the same. That's not Paul speaking. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul to the church. That's Jesus saying to the church, well done. Now what did they do so well? Well, it says it right there. You did communicate with my affliction. Oh, they were sending him emails. And text and cards and letters. They were communicating. No, let's go on. You, you know, some people say the King James Version is just too difficult to understand. Well, if you hang around long enough, the King James Version will define itself. And it's going to give you a definition. Look at verse 15. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, and that's when Paul started his gospel ministry. It was the Macedonian call in Acts chapter 16 when the Macedonian came to him in a vision and said, come over into Macedonia and help us. That was the beginning of his gospel ministry. Now watch what he says, verse 15. We're focusing on that word communicate. Say amen. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the, go beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, give me the next two words. No church. There was no other church. Brother Roger, no other church, no church communicated with me. You say, preacher, you're still not telling us what it means. Well, the next phrase tells you what it means. As concerning giving and receiving. The word communicate means to share. Who was giving? Who was receiving? Paul, the missionary. This is missions giving. If you think that modern-day independent Baptists came up with faith, promise, giving, i got news for you. It's throughout Scripture. Now, it may not have been a card. I don't know if they filled out a card. Uh, it, it may not have been. It wasn't called faith, promise. As a matter of fact, it's called grace giving in the Bible. But it's still, nonetheless, a church stepping out on faith who was poor. How poor? Say it. Deep poverty. And they were communicating with the Apostle Paul. Now, what did they do? Look at verse 16. 
For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Philippi was addicted to giving to the ministry of their missionary. They didn't just do it once, and that's why we have an annual Faith Promise Conference, Brother Greg, so that we could reiterate, redo again what we did the previous year because the promise is for one year. And so Philippi, wasn't, it wasn't, they sent once and again. Now, there's two words here. Necessity is in verse uh, 16. Afflictions. Do you see that? You did communicate with my afflictions. Two words, afflictions and necessities. Afflictions was the personal needs of the Apostle Paul. Necessities is what he needed for ministry. A missionary in the foreign field needs chairs, needs pulpits, needs songbooks, needs Bibles. That would be in the afflictions was his own personal needs. In other words, they were supplying the basic needs for the Apostle Paul. Amen? All right, now let's go on. Now watch what Paul says here. And this may be confusing to some especially when we have missionaries come to our church, brother. Look what it says. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He said, now, wait a minute, preacher. Every missionary who comes here, they're expecting a love offering, and they're expecting financial support. But watch now. Not every church supports every missionary that comes in. But missionaries are going to get to the field because if this church doesn't take them on for support, some church down the road is. And let me just throw this in there. It's one thing to get the missionary to the field. It's another thing to keep him there. That's why we have established a mission agency for that specific purpose called Roma. Now watch what it says. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your cow. Now watch now. Philippi was giving money to the ministry of the Apostle Paul. They were investing. They were communicating. They were sharing. They were meeting his necessities. They were meeting his afflictions. Is this scripture? It's not a stretch, is it? It's all Bible. And then he says to the church, watch now, the church that he loves, the church that he calls his crown, dearly beloved and longed for, watch what he says, not that I desire a gift, but I love you so much, I want fruit to abound to your account. Did the apostle Paul know that, knew that God was going to use him? You study his call in Acts chapter 9. Matter of fact, God told him he's going to preach to kings, and he did. He preached in Caesar's palace, doctor. He preached every. Paul knew that God was going to use him in a mighty way. He knew that he was going to bear fruit. He knew that he was going to win souls. And here's what he says to a church that he loves. I'm going to win souls. I want to make sure they go into your account, and they can't go into your account until you invest. I don't, know if I don't know if everybody got that. You got it? Oh, yeah, that's why I, I plan on it. Watch now. Let, let me illustrate it this way. We love our babies, don't we? Huh? I, I'm a great-grandfather now. I know I don't look it. No, I do. Uh, I, I've got great-grandchildren now. Tiffany's given us two great-grandchildren. And you know what? I want my babies to be blessed. You want your babies to be blessed? Children, grandchildren, you want them to be blessed. Here's what Paul's saying. Philippi's his baby. I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. Philippi is his baby. And he wants his baby to be blessed. 
And so he says to his baby, invest in me. It's not that I need your money, Philippi. If you don't give it to me, somebody else will. But Philippi, my dearly beloved, my loan for my crown, my joy, I want to make sure that the souls that I put in, 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 in heaven go into your account because you invested and the souls that I win are the return of your investment. Did we not use a business term from the very beginning? Occupy. Transact business. Moana is about transacting business. God's business. These young people, I'm sure, have a good time. Amen? But you're transacting business nonetheless. You know what that tells me? You can have fun transacting God's business. I do it all the time. And so Paul wants Philippi to invest in his ministry so he could put souls into his account. Now, verse 18, Pastor Andy, is the closest verse that I have had found to support a mission board. All right, look what it says. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. A mission agency, they have other functions, but they're couriers. They carry the funds for the missionary from the supporting churches. We are now up to 50-some missionaries, right? The home office is in Jacksonville. Churches send the funds to Jacksonville. Uh, Mrs. Clark is our financial secretary. She sends the funds off. That's Epaphroditus. That's Epaphroditus. Now we have other functions too. But watch what he says. Man, it's a great verse, isn't it? How many would you like to say, but I have all? I, I am I bound. I am full. This is a missionary saying because of a poor church, Brother Roger. Because of a poor church. How many churches were supporting the Apostle Paul at this time? Because it says it right there. No church communicated with me. Verse 15. He had one supporting church. And because of one supporting church, Paul says, I'm full. Help me, please. I'm full. Having I abound. Having received of Epaphrodite the things which are sent from you. Now watch now. The next verses in verse um, 18 are, are God's description of what your mission's giving is to him. Here's God's description. You ready? Say we're ready, preacher. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Whatever you put on that card, the amount is irrelevant. Here's what God is going to say about what you put on that card. It's an odor of a sweet smell. Do you ever think about the stench that ends up to the nostrils of God? You ever think what goes up from this planet? You know, Simone loves to watch crime shows, Brother Roger. And you know what? I'd rather watch fiction. And, you know, and when I watch these crime shows, Doc, you know what I think? So, man, how depraved are we? How low can we go? And I, and I tell Simone, I can't watch these shows anymore. You forget about them. They stay in my head. I'm either going to go into law enforcement or become a mass murderer, one of the two. And all that comes up before the nostrils. You say, preacher, is there really a stench that comes up before the nostrils of God? Watch now. He says it's an abomination. You know what the word abomination means? It makes God sick. And there's even a verse says that he's going to vomit. Hello, help me, church. There's a stench 
that come from this planet up to the nostrils of God. But watch now. Brother Greg, when your faith promise collected and you have the total number of what you're going to do for missions in the coming year, here's what it says. It's an odor of a sweet smell to God. It's a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to him. It's like God is going to open a window over Buckingham and take a deep breath and say, thank you. I needed that. Now watch, and I'm going to wrap it up here real soon. Verse 19 is the second most popular verse to the body of Christ. Second only to John 3.16. We all know that verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the second most popular verse. We take verse 19 of Philippians 4 and we cross-stitch it and hang it on our wall. And what does it say? But my God, who's God? This is the apostle Paul's God. I want his God. Hello. Because he's got the real God. He's got that big God. That, he's got the God that Paul wrote about in Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him, that's Paul's God, that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That's Paul's God. And you know whose God that happens to be? Our God. But my God, the Jehovah God, the self-contained God, the God who no one needs to feed him or clothe him or house him or put him to sleep. The eternal God who has created all that was and ever will be. That God is Paul's God and that's your God. Now watch what it says. You ready? Second most popular verse. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The question is, do we trust him enough that he's going to supply our needs? Now, we say we do. We say we trust him. It's like, you know, you bring a burden to the altar. You got this burden, and I'm not minimizing anybody's burden. But you got this burden, you leave it at the altar. But you kind of take it with you when you go. Are you really leaving it at the altar? Didn't, doesn't the Bible say casting our care upon him because he cares for us? What's that word cast? Jim's a fisherman. Where's he at? Jim, when, when you cast that bait out, do you expect to bring just the bait back? Do you expect to bring a fish back? Cast. It means throw it out there and expect not just to bring back your worm or your minnow, but a blessing. Watch now. But my God, shall supply how much of your need? All your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You think Christ is wealthy? Hey, I'm not just talking about finances here. I know a lot of wealthy people have no peace. I said to someone the other day, I said the rich man worries about keeping his money. The poor man worries about getting more of it. Huh? I've seen the extremes of them both. Maybe your poverty is peace. Quiet in here. Maybe your poverty is the lack of joy. Maybe your poverty is worry, depression. I don't know what it is, but that same God, Paul's God, shall supply all your need 
in every realm, in every aspect of life, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm going to finish with this thought. I know I've finished about five times, but this is really it. There are two types of promises in the Bible. There are conditional promises and unconditional promises. An unconditional promise would be, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No strings attached. Doesn't say you got to get baptized. Doesn't say you got to join the church. Doesn't say you got to give 10% of your money. Doesn't say you got to give to faith promise. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And everybody said, that's an unconditional promise. But Philippians 4.19 is a conditional promise. You cannot appropriate that promise to yourself unless you appropriate it in the context in which it was given. Do you like studying Scripture in context? We get in trouble when we take verses out of. So you read a little bit before, you read a bit a little after, you might have to read the whole chapter, you might have to read the whole book, but in context, in context, the promise is given to a church that communicated to a missionary. The promise belongs only to those who communicate, only to those who share. Pastor Andy, we got too many Christians claiming Philippians 4.19, and it's not theirs to claim, who don't give a penny, don't give a nickel for the furtherance of the gospel. Shame on you. Now you want to make the promise yours? Give. How much? How much should I give, preacher? It's up to you. Put something on the card. You know, we get upset with Peter because when Jesus told him to cast the nets, he only cast the net. He said, oh, he should have cast. Well, at least he cast something. Maybe this week you'll cast something. And young people, you can do it too. It might, it might, you might have to give up something. I don't know. Give up a Starbucks coffee. Oh, man. Some people don't like that kind of preaching. Now, I used to do Starbucks one a day. One a day. That's, that's about four bucks. If there's 30 days in a month, that's 120 bucks a month. And you know what I said? I don't need to be spending 120 bucks a month on coffee. I'm 68 years old. I qualify for McDonald's senior coffee. It's 69 cents, Roger. 69 cents for a senior coffee. Now, I know you young people can't get it yet, but if you ride with me, I'll get you one. Why? So I can give more to mission. Maybe a Coke. Maybe one of those, uh, what's those drinks they, they, they keep? Yeah, Red Bulls and all those. Might be one of those. Maybe you have it already. You don't have to give up nothing. And put something on the faith promise. Now, let me challenge you with this. If you don't have a faith promise card, they're out there in the foyer. Take one. Don't fill it out yet. Pray over it. Pray over it. You know what? Try this prayer. God... I want to make Philippians 4.19 my verse. You say, now, preacher, that's an ulterior motive. Well, I didn't write Luke 6.38 that says, given it shall be given unto you. God wrote it, Brother Greg. 
God works on a reward system. He designed it. And take that faith promise card home and pray over it. And say, God, what would you have me to do? Heads about and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, who tonight by an uplifted hand would say, Preacher, I'm saved. I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. And by raising my hand, I'm showing how thankful I am for my salvation. Would you put your hand up all over the auditorium, way up high? I'm saved. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. God bless you. You may put your hands down. Maybe you're here tonight and you couldn't join all these who raised their hand. You say, Preacher, I'm not saved. Uh, I don't think I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. I, I need to be saved. I, I want my sins to be forgiven. I don't understand all the terminology, preacher. Saved, born again. I, I don't know what all that means. Well, I, that's absolutely irrelevant, whether you know what all it means. Well, here's what it means, that you are without Christ in your heart. And he wants to come into your heart, but that heart belongs to you. You're in charge of it. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, he says, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking at your heart's door and he says, if any man hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him. That, that heart is yours. The door of that heart is yours. You're in charge of it. Satan would like to force himself in, but he can't. Jesus could force himself in, but he won't because he's a gentleman and he doesn't come where he's not invited. And you say, preacher, I don't want just Jesus to be on the outside of my life taking care of me. I want Jesus on the inside of my life. And tonight I want to open the door of my heart and invite Jesus in. If that's the case, would you put your hand up? Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. You may put your hands down. Christian. Who would say, Preacher, I've gone through some tough times. I want Philippians 4.19 to be my verse. If that's the case, would you put your hand up? Yes, many hands raised. Yes. And come tonight to this altar. Lay that burden at the feet of Jesus. And say, Jesus, I want Philippians 4.19 to be my verse. I want to be able to say, I can do. No, I... Uh, Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Make that your verse. And you know what? Maybe I didn't mess up by quoting verse 17. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.